listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening. Again, you are listening to the Manifesting God podcast. I am your host, Prophetess Marie Elizabeth Kenyon, and I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. I count it a privilege that you would think that you would put time aside to join me on Monday evenings. Truly, God has been good to us. God has kept us. He's kept us beyond situations. He's kept us beyond circumstances. There, Listen, if you're under the sound of my voice, you are more than a conqueror. I don't care. It doesn't matter the mistakes you make. You repent, you move on. You do not allow your mistakes to hold you in its grip. You do not allow disappointments to hold you in its grip. You don't allow death, hell, nor the grave to hold you in its grip. See, the enemy would have you to believe that God is counting you unworthy. The enemy would have you to believe that God no longer has any use for you because you just got out of that man's bed fornicator. I just got out of that woman's bed adulterer. I just, I just killed that person with my mouth. I murdered them with my mouth. But God says, if you bring that to me and if you repent unto me, meaning if you turn around from that way, I don't care if you did it a minute ago, if you've made up your mind that I will not walk down that road again, I will not walk down that road of fornication, of adultery, of lying, of cursing, of stealing. I will not walk down that road again, then God himself has heard your prayer. He has cast your sin into the sea of forgetfulness to be remembered no more. I didn't say that people won't remember. Sometimes I think that's the sowing and reaping process because people do remember. And yes, you must apologize. You must sometimes go back to people and apologize for how you've hurt them, for how you may have wounded them. But God himself has forgiven you and he set before you an open road. He set before you freedom and liberties in him that you can walk in if you choose to believe him, if you choose to receive him, if you choose to receive his word of forgiveness. He does have need of you. See, because it's those experiences that you, my friend, my sister, my brother have had that people are waiting on. They're waiting on, they're waiting on your experience because in your experiences lies their deliverance. They need to seek God's forgiveness and they can see God's forgiveness in you if you're willing to stand. If you're willing to stand and walk in his forgiveness, they can see it in you and they too will turn their lives over to a merciful God a merciful, forgiving Savior who supplies all their needs according to his riches and glory, and they're innumerable. So there's nothing that they cannot need. There's nothing that you can need that God himself cannot provide for you. He can provide for you. Get to Acts 3. 
Get to Acts 3. We're ready to get started. Get to Acts 3. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm excited about what God has to say to us today because he's further taking us in our journey, in our new space. He's taking us into this space and he's explaining to us even now, even still, how to operate. He's giving us the strategies of operation and letting us know how we are to proceed. And yes, it's going to look far different than it has before. It's going to look way different than it has before. But if we will humble ourselves, humble ourselves to that which we we understand and that which we're not even that sure of, if we would humble ourselves to God's unchanging hand, he's willing to hold our hands and walk us through this new place. He's willing to hold our hands. He's promised to walk us through. He's promised to never leave us. He's promised to never forsake us. I'm telling you, God has a plan for my life and for your life. He has the plan. Acts 3, in the King James Version, it says, now Peter and John went up together. Now, listen, remember, this is after the day of Pentecost. This is after everyone was endowed in prayer in the upper room with the spirit, with the Holy Spirit. This is when this is after they began to speak in tongues. This is after that different ones heard their tongues being spoken during the time of prayer, during the time of the impartation of the Holy Spirit, which Jesus had promised upon his ascension. So Jesus has now ascended. The Holy Spirit has now come and he's given and he's given the gifts, not only of tongues to men as a witness, but he's given wisdom and knowledge to men. And he's promised to teach us and teach them and walk them through this new life, this new Christianity, this new life to them. And it says, now Peter and John, they went up together after this into the temple at the hour of prayer being the ninth hour. And it doesn't say that any of the folks that accompanied, that were a part of the Pentecost experience that received the Holy Spirit with, were with them. It doesn't talk about them. It just specifically points out to us Peter and John. And then it says that they went up to prayer at the hour that was, that was designated for prayer. Verse two says, and a certain lame man, from his, a certain man, lame, from his mother's womb was carried, and I'm in the King James Version, whom they laid daily, they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Verse three says, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked alms of them. And Peter, Peter verse four says, fastened his eyes upon him with John. So John looked too. Both of them looked at the gentleman. And Peter says, and it says, um, John said, look on us. So, and Peter fasting his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. So they said to him together, look on us. And he, the lame man, gave heed unto them. He was expecting to receive something 
of them. He had no idea what he would receive. I expect that he expected to receive more of the same. While he was right in front of, right at the house of God, at the time of prayer, he expected to receive more of what he'd received in the past. Maybe money here, maybe maybe a good word there, but he expected to receive more of the same. So he gave heed of them. He looked up at them. Then Peter said, Peter, not John, Peter spoke. And Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give, but such as I have, give I thee. I'm going to give you what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth. What I do have for you is rise up and walk. What I do have for you is your healing. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and he lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. It says Peter took him by the right hand and Peter lifted him up. Peter lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. John was there, but Peter, Peter, Peter took him by the hand and Peter lifted him up. And that's when once Peter lifted him up, that's when his feet and his ankle bones took strength. And when I looked at this scripture, it dawned on me that everyone that was a part of the uh, Pentecost experience and they spoke in other tongues, meaning they received the power of the Holy Spirit, none of them were there. None of them were called to be at that place at that point and at that time, only Peter and John. And even though Peter and John said, look on us, look on us, Peter was the one that extended his hand. Peter was the one that said, I don't have money to give you, but what I do have, what I'm positive that I am carrying is your healing. So I will give you what I have. And that is a healing. What was John at that point? A witness. John was a witness to this healing, but John himself did not lift this man up. It was Peter who lifted this man up. Now go to Judges 7. Go to Judges 7, and then I'm going to tell you, after I go through this scripture, what we're talking about today. Now, remember, we started off, and I reminded you that the day of Pentecost had just happened, and I reminded you of the people, the plural people that were a part of the uh, Holy Spirit impartation, that received tongues, that received power from the Holy Spirit. And that power gave them the ability to comprehend, to understand spiritual things. It gave them the power of God in the earth realm, activated, activated. But when time for prayer came, the scriptures focused on John and Peter who had gone to prayer. And even though they said, look upon us, it was Peter, one person, that recognized what he had on the inside that could be imparted. He literally activated what was just given to him and imparted it to another 
person. Judges 7. And now I'm in the amplified version. Judges 7. And verse 7. And now I'm in the amplified version. It says, then Jerubbaal, Jerubbaal, and that is Gideon. We're talking about Gideon and all of the people who were with him. They got up early and they camped beside the spring of Herod and the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, the Lord said to Gideon, there are too many people with you for me to hand over Midian to them. So I'm not giving all of Midian to all of these people. I'm not giving it to all of these people, even though all of these people are with you, even though all of these people believe in your cause, even though all of these people are here to assist at your word, I cannot give medium to all of these people. Because if I do that, if all of these people go fight this battle, then Israel will boast about themselves. They'll boast about themselves against me, saying, my own power has rescued me. Too many people win the battle, then now the battle all of a sudden seems to be pronounced as going to the people. The people have been victorious. It is the people who have won the battle, but not God. God gets none of the credit. Why? Because so many people, so many people have gathered to fight this battle, to fight this battle. Then all of a sudden they're going to believe that they rescued themselves. They rescued themselves. So verse three, it says, so now proclaim in the hearing of the people, tell all of the people. Whoever is afraid and whoever is trembling, turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men returned home, but there were still 10,000. 22,000 of the folks, of the people that were with Gideon, who believed in his cause, who were following Gideon, 22,000 in fear who were afraid and trembling, they went back home. They went back home. So I can't give the battle to all of the people because some of those people are fearful. But guess what? If the battle is won by those who are not fearful, all of the people are going to proclaim, it was my strength that won that battle. I, I did that. That was me. I did that. I was my strength that won that battle. See, because me and Gideon and the guys, we did that. We did that. And God will get none of the credit. But yet 22,000 can turn around knowing full well that they're fearful, but they were willing to go the distance. I'm talking to my leaders. They were willing to go the distance, but they were fearful but they were fearful. They were willing to go to the distance to be able to proclaim that I, I got that battle. I did that. Me and Gideon and the boys, we did that. That was us. Then verse four says, then the Lord said to Gideon, guess what? You still have 10,000, but that's still too many. That's still too many. Bring them down to the water. Bring them down to the water. He said, and I will test for you I will test them for you there. 
I will test them for you there. I'm talking to my worldwide leaders. Stand back. Stand back if you haven't already. Let God test the people for you. Let God. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. Let God test the people for you. Let, let him do that. Let him do that. And it says, therefore, it shall be that he of whom I say, God said, whomever I say to you, this one shall go with you. He shall go with you. But to everyone that I say shall not go with you, he shall not go. Let me test them, God is saying, and then I'll let you know who should go with you and who shall not go with you. Stand back. Let me test them because you still have too many. And this scripture right here, it, it just reminds me, just sidebar to my leaders. Stop trying to take everybody with you. Stop trying to take everyone with you. Stand back and let God test them. And after he's tested them, then God will come back to you and he will tell you who should go and who should not go. Verse five says, so he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, you shall separate first everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, as well as two everyone who kneels down to drink. Separate them. I want to see two separate stacks of people here, two separate uh, rows of people here. I want the ones who lap like a dog and I want the ones who kneel down to drink in another corner. And then it says in verse six, now the number of those who lap the water, and then it describes it, who laps the water, that is put hand to their mouth was 300 men that put hand to their mouth. But all the rest of the people, they kneeled down to drink the water. So only 300 of the 10,000 put their hand to mouth, but the others, they kneeled down to drink the water. And this is significant because hand in the Greek represents strength and it represents power. Mouth, besides it being a method of communication, it, it means it represents being able to seize, to grind. And it represents um, the it represents what holds the teeth. It can be used to devour. Now that's whether bad or good, but in the Greek, it means that it, the mouth is something that can be used to devour. So those that put their hand to their mouth were those with strength and with power that could devour. Those that had their hand, their strength and their power to their mouth could devour. You understand? You understand? Scriptures such as Psalm 134.2. Lift up your hands in the holy place and bless the Lord. Listen to this. Psalms 90 and 17. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Establish the work of our hands. Isaiah 41 and 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold 
uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41 and 13, for I, the Lord, your God, I hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Listen to this one, Job 17 and nine, yet the righteous holds to his way and he who has clean hands grows stronger and stronger. And what, what these scriptures bring to mind as I read them is that hands are, require action. They require, they are something that you're using to get something done. They are something that you're using to get something done. So when it says in the Greek that the hands represent strength and power, and then the mouth, it represents in the Greek, something that's used to devour, then I get the picture that those that are lapping with their, putting their hand to their mouth, that being 300 people, only 300 people, then there's very few people who know how to and strength and power devour. There are very few people that knows how to use, how to, how to strategically use their hands as a, as a tool of strength and of power to devour the works of the enemy or, or to build, to build. And when you're building, for the Lord, when you're building that which is God's, you are in turn devouring what is the enemy. That's why I said devouring here can be bad or good because it's bad for the enemy, but it's good for God. See, because if I understand the tools, the works of my hand that God has put in my hands, if I understand the power that's in my hand, if I understand the strength that's in my hand, if I understand the power of my mouth to devour, then I understand that I can build or I can fight for the for God and as I fight for God I am devouring the enemy I am devouring the enemy. We have to know the power of our hand and the power of our mouth. Now listen to this. The rest of the people they kneeled down to drink water. They kneeled down to drink water. Kneeling in the Bible represents praying. Kneeling, come on, go with me for a minute. Kneeling in the Bible represents humble yet respectful. It represents a respectful posture, a humble posture, a posture of prayer. Acts 20 and 36, an example. And when he said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. Psalm 95 and 6, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Romans 14 and 11, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, God says, and every tongue shall confess 
to God. Every tongue shall confess. So when I saw that meaning and I saw why they were, I saw, I began to see why the rest of the people, those that kneeled down to drink water, when I saw that word kneeling down, I immediately, immediately thought of prayer. I thought of the intercessor and I thought that makes Oh my God, you're saying that the intercessor does not belong in this particular instance. They were going to fight. They were going to battle. Let the intercessor stay in the background. Let the fighters, those that understand the strength and the power of their mouth to devour the things of the enemy, devour the things that the enemy has built up. Let them go first. Let them fight the battles. Let the intercessors, though, let the intercessors, let them humbly, let them kneel, let them kneel in the background. Let them kneel before God, our maker. Let them kneel and pray and pray. Let them kneel and in their prayers, they protect. Let them kneel and in their prayers, they provide safety. Let them kneel and in their prayers, just as a, um, just as a, I'm trying to think of the word for the, um, I'm trying to think of the word for the musician, you all, the musician who, when they play that it, it, it brings the prophet to prophecy. I'm trying to think of that word for that type of musician. This is what I pictured when it said the rest of the people kneel down to drink water. Those are the people and let those prayers, let those prayers cover those who are at that front line. Let those prayers, let those prayers um, just, just begin to um, get, let the spirit of God engulf those people. Minstrel, minstrel, thank you. Let, let the, I thought of the minstrel and, that, and I liken the rest of the people. See, we, we sometimes talk bad about the people that had to go back. We talk bad about the people who, who the rest of the people that kneeled down to drink water. We speak badly of those people because they were sent home and they were thousands of people that sent home. But I saw those people as intercessors. I saw those people as minstrels, people who pray and invoke God's presence and invoke God's covering. And, and, and within those people, as they begin to pray, God will begin to give further instruction to Gideon so that the people that are on the front line will be safe and he can give them detailed instruction and detailed information and detailed strategies. Why? Because the people were needed. The people were kneeled down to pray. I saw them as minstrel types. I saw them as those that the same type of people, as I said, that would cause the prophet to prophesy. They are the same people that kneeled down and that they could cause God to begin to release instruction to Gideon. So we ought not look badly on the people that had to go home because they kneeled down to drink water. They kneeled down for that water was their refreshing as they kneeled before God to pray, as they kneeled as intercessors as they kneeled as minstrels, as they kneeled. 
as they kneeled. And so we're talking about the 300 men. Only There were only 300 at that time that went with Gideon. Only 300 at that time that was there to actually fight the battle. And I go back just to Paul and I remind you that, not Paul, uh, to Peter. And it was Peter, Peter who reached out and that which was deposited to him just at that day of Pentecost, he immediately began to dispense it. And, and what we're talking about today, when I told you, I would tell you my lesson after I went through that second scripture, we're simply talking about less is more. Less is more. Less is more. While there were many people there at the day of Pentecost, while there were many people there that received the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit, only one Peter, only one Peter immediately immediately begin to impart what was imparted to him, begin to share what was imparted to him. And see, Gideon was one of those folks, if you know anything about Gideon, when you read about him in the Bible, he was a tad bit fearful. What he did for God, even when he started out, he did it undercover. And this was the first time that he was literally going to do something in broad daylight and fight the Midianites and fight them in broad daylight. This was something that it was the first time he was getting ready to do it. So he had a host of people with him. So God, God had to step in and say, hey, you got too many people with you. You got too many people. And some of these people, the majority of these people have your spirit. They're fearful. They're fearful, but we don't have to throw them away, but we will need them to go home because we have fear on the front line. Fear cannot win this particular battle. I need, I need those that understand. See, there's different kinds of battles. And sometimes when you get to certain battles, fear can't go. There are many times when I'll say, okay, you have to do it afraid. Sometimes when you first start out, you have to do it afraid. But eventually you should get to the point where you are operating in the courage of God and you are not fearful any longer because you understand one principle. You understand that less is more. You understand that God can do more with one than he can do with 10,000. God can do more sometimes with the one that believes than the over 10,000 that are fearful that are fearful. You are clear that God can do way more with with um with the with 300 than he can with the with the intercessor. Does the intercessor have their place at the front line? Indeed, they do. But when the battle when the battle is will is to be fought with a power and with a strength that can devour, then we need the intercessor to be in their place. Sidebar, leaders, let God tell you who people are, not you tell you who people are. Let God tell you who people are. See, because when say 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 Gideon said, Oh no, God, I got this. I got this. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'll separate the people. I'll get the people that need to fight this battle. And what if he would have got it twisted and he took the people that kneeled down to drink water? He took them instead of the people that put their hand to mouth and lapped the water as a dog. Suppose he got it mixed up and he took the people that kneeled down to drink water. So then you would have had intercessors getting destroyed on the battle line because they should have been at the 
altar rather than the battle line. They should have been at the altar. They should have been at the altar. So we need to be clear. See, because let, let's 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 say it like this. Let me give you an example. Let's say it like this. I'm a prophetess, and I tend to I tend to want to fight. So I tend to look for the battle. I tend to look for the fight, and I'm very confrontational. So I beeline it to the front. You never you're never going to have to worry about getting picked on by the enemy in my presence. I will always jump out front because I'm always willing to fight the battle. I'm always willing to fight the battle. Does that mean every battle I should fight? No, it does not. But I'm always willing to fight. I'm telling you the personality of a prophet. We are always willing to fight. But I I see, okay, let me, let's see. Okay, okay I'll go this way. And, but my, but my, let's talk about um, let's say the intercessor, the intercessor, when it's time to pray, the intercessor usually wants an altar. They want to find an altar. They don't, they don't too much care about the crowd. See, because before the prophet, you're the intercessor. Believe it. If you cannot pray, you are not a prophet. You can't, you can't pray, but you're a prophet. No, I'm an intercessor. I'm an intercessor and I and I can switch gears. So let's let's talk about that for a second. So the intercessor in me, when when I need to talk to God, I like I'm having a conversation with God, like I'm having with a human being. I don't need the crowd, nor do I want the crowd, because I don't want to get into the religious. Phylacteries. I don't want to get into all the religious wording. I just want to have a conversation with God. The true intercessor just wants to talk to God and listen to God talk back. And then when I get in prophetic and I'm by office, a prophet, I'm always willing to fight. So I recognize the intercessor right away because the intercessors tend to back away from the front line. We just want to retreat to the altar. I just wanted to retreat to the altar. But as I grew in God and my boldness grew in God, my comfort was at the front line. My comfort is at the confrontational line. My comfort is at the fighting line. So you see the difference? So take the intercessor and put them at the confrontational line. When they need an altar, you will kill them. This is why leaders, we have to be clear on what God is saying about the people of God and the role that the people of God play in the kingdom of God. Because everybody is not an apostle. Everybody is not a prophet. Everybody is not an evangelist, pastor, nor a teacher. Everybody is not the same. They're not the same. You will have you will have a variety. Why? Because God puts each person in the body where it pleases them. He might put the intercessor next to the prophet because the intercessor will pray. And then the when they pray to God, then God, I told you, they're like that minstrel to the prophet. They're that minstrel to God. And when they pray, then God can speak freely and give direction to leadership. He can speak freely and give direction to that apostle, to that prophet, to that pastor, even to that evangelist. He can give it freely. But if you take that intercessor out of their spot, away from the altar, and you put them in the pastoral role, 
Okay, so now they're in the pastoral role and there's a gap because who is interceding for them when they are the intercessor? See, we get the roles mixed up. We get we get people in the wrong places. And when we put them in the wrong places, we're risking their lives. We're risking their lives. So it's very important that leaders, we hear God when we talk about the placement, the placement of the people of God for their for their for their service unto God. Because for what they were built for to render unto God, that was a sidebar. Now I'm back to, I'm back to the less is more. So when I saw this scripture and I saw how, how there were only 300 men, 300 men to fight this battle, only 300 men to fight this battle. And then where I saw that 10,000, 10, 22,000 men had returned home and he still had 10,000. And then some of those people, they had to return. The rest of the people that kneeled down to drink water, they were separated and they returned. And the only people he went forward with were the 300. Why is that significant? And it is extremely significant. It is significant because of where where we're going. It is significant because of, let me get this scripture. Now I want you to go to Joshua 1. And I'm going to show you why it's significant. It is significant because we don't, first of all, I'll say this sidebar. We don't want to take more than, or first of all, we don't want to take the wrong people that God has required required to do the different job. You don't want to go do one job with the wrong person. So we want to make sure that we're taking who God said take where he said take them, right? Okay, so Joshua 1, and this is why it is extremely important that we understand less is more because sometimes the battle, the battle is not always in the crowd. The battle is not always in the crowd. See, sometimes we see these mega churches and mega operations, and we think as Christians that that's where God is. We make assumptions that the power of God rests and rule in that place. But the power of God is not in numbers. Less is always going to be more to God. Less is always going to be more to God. He puts his power in those, in those that can hear him and obey him. And that is not usually in the crowd. See, because the crowd tends to listen to each other. They tend to listen to each other. They don't tend to follow the leader. They tend to, because the leader, um, how can I say it like this? The leader is so far from the individual in the crowd. So if it's a crowd of 5,000, how many people are, picture picture a crowded church that holds 5,000 people. It has a balcony and everything. So the person that's sitting up in the balcony, how far are they from that leader? From that leader, if they don't make up their mind to be touched and be close and develop a relationship with God themselves, take the leader's words that they hear from the pulpit that's maybe, I don't know, maybe about 30, 40 rows away from them and three or four levels down from them. If they don't make up their mind 
to follow what that leader is teaching and and further study on their own. If they don't make up their mind to follow God, what do they do? They get lost in the crowd. They get lost in the person that's next to them. They get distracted by the person that's next to them. But if you remove all the noise of the crowd and you're just standing there one-on-one -on -one with God, only clarity can happen. Only decisions have to be made for clarity to happen, and it will happen with the right decisions. Joshua 1 says, then Joshua, I'm sorry, I'm in Joshua 1 and 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers and the people saying, pass through the host and command the people saying, prepare your victuals. I read this before, for within three days, you shall pass over this Jordan to go in and to possess the land, which the Lord, your God giveth you to possess. Verse 12 is what I'm looking for. And to the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to half the tribe of Manasseh spake Joshua saying, remember the word of which Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded you saying, the Lord, your God hath given you rest in this land. Let me get the rest of it. And then he said to them, um, let me see, Passover. Let me get the right first. That wasn't the right one. This made for la 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 la. Remember that, the, yeah, your wives, your little ones. Okay, let's go to verse, let me try verse 15. Until the Lord have given your, okay, let me go to 14. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on, th on this side of Jordan. But, but ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty men of valor and help them until the Lord hath given your brethren rest as he hath given you and they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God giveth them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of Jordan toward the sun rising. And the part right here that really caught my attention is this. And to the Reubenites, and the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh. And he told them, this is what you're going to do. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle, they're going to remain in the land that Moses gave you on this side of Jordan. They stay here, but you pass before your brethren armed, your mighty men of valor, and you help them. So you fight. So you fight. He had to know who the mighty men of valor were. He had to know who had to go in first. And it says, until the Lord have given your brethren rest as he has given you, and they also have possessed the land which your Lord has given them, then you can go home and you can rest and you can possess. See, we can't have those that should be resting going out and fighting ahead and trying to possess. We can't have, everyone has a role. Less is more. All of the people didn't all run over and all go before and all go to help. 
certain ones were designated to go in. They were the mighty men of valor. You were to go in and you were to help them to possess. You were to help them. We need to know who the Reubenites are. You need to know who the Gadites are and half the tribe of Manasseh. We need to know who the mighty men of valor are. Not all the people are to go in first and fight the battle. Not all the people. And it doesn't make the people, the intercessors that I likened them unto, it doesn't make the people that had to, um, the people that were with the, um, the people that knelt down. It, do, it doesn't make them not needed. It doesn't make them not needed. Like I told you, when I read this, I saw something completely different. I saw intercessors. So it doesn't make them not needed. Even the people that were fearful, the over 22,000 that had to return home, it doesn't make them not needed. And it doesn't mean that they won't get anything. Why? Because they believed God. So just because someone believes, just because someone is fearful, it doesn't mean that they do not believe that Jesus is indeed the son of the father God and that he lived, that he was born, that he lived and that he died and that he rose again and that he's sitting at the right hand of the father. It does not mean that they don't believe that. It may mean that they have a little struggle. They have a little struggle at the battle line. And, and even if they have a little struggle at the battle line, can we investigate? Possibly their struggle is with being at the battle line is because that's not where they're called to. Perhaps they're called to intercession. Perhaps they're called, as my leader said, perhaps they're called to fried chicken and maybe they have the food ready for you when you come back for the battle line. But we don't have to throw everybody away. So what we don't want to do where God is taking us is start to look down on those that we, we decide that don't have what we think we have. That's what we don't want to do, because what doing that will disqualify us, will disqualify us from our position. So that's what we do not want to do to every man is given a measure of faith. And just because your measure of faith is not my measure of faith does not make me dismiss your measure of faith. It is relevant. Why? Because again, and I keep saying this until we get it, everybody has a place in the body. As a, my hand is joined with your hand, that means that you have something to offer me that's going to strengthen me. And I have something to offer you that is going to strengthen you. And that's why at the beginning I played that song and I told you all to say, I'm going to make it through it because it doesn't matter the situation and circumstances. You have a place in the kingdom of God. If you're under the sound of my voice, you have a place in the kingdom of God. You have a work to do. And now is not the time for you to forfeit. I don't care if you made a mistake five minutes ago. God has not thrown you away. And you know that because you are under the sound of my voice. And I am a prophetess of God. And I am decreeing and declaring to you that God has need of you. You have 
an experience that others not only need to know, but your experience is the only experience that can save them. Your experience is the only experience that can open their eyes and change them from darkness to light. Your experience is the only experience that can transform their mind and their heart. Your experience is the only experience that can deliver your fellow drug dealer. Your experience is the only experience that can deliver your former your your former drug taker, the one you would have you would do drugs with. Your experience is the only experience that can deliver the for the former fornicator, liar, deceiver, and thief. It's only your experience that can deliver them that can deliver them. We talked last week, and remember I was telling you about understanding history, not only where God and how Jesus entered into the earth and understanding how he died for our sins, that's your foundation. And then you build upon that with your understanding. Your understanding has been gained through your experience. Through your experience, your experience was not meant while the enemy will have you believe that your experience is, is holding you down, that your experience has disqualified you. It actually is the opposite. It is your experience, your belief in God and your experience, you allowing him to bring you through danger, seen and unseen things that you had no idea how, not only how you got in it, but how you came out of it. Things, those type of things. These are things that only God, God would, would allow, would allow you to pass through. You're supposed to pass through these experiences. And it is these experiences that help you to understand that only God was in you with it and only God brought you out of it and you take the power of it and you go get one more. You go get one more because less is more. Less is more. No, you don't have to work. Don't worry about the crowd. Yes, I see you standing alone, but less is more. There's more power in you now alone than there was when you were with the crowd. Less is more. You can hear God better now that you are alone. Why? Because less is more. It's more to God. You can hear God now better than you could when you were in the crowd, when you were in the mega church, when you were amongst all your drug dealer friends, when you were amongst all the quote unquote saints that were not saints. You can hear God now better. Why not? Why not take a chance, take a chance and step out of the cave? Because at this point, the crowd is resorting to the cave because you don't know that you're the one with the power and they're following you. They're following you. You have the power in God. They're just waiting on you to give them the life-changing word. Won't you give it a try? If you don't believe me, give it a try. Give it a try. Tell them you changed your mind. 
Come on, tell them, I changed my mind. I decided I don't want to drink anymore. I've changed my mind. I've decided I don't want to do drugs anymore. I've changed my mind. I decided I don't want to be a fornicator or an adulterer anymore. I've changed my mind. I've decided I don't want to steal anymore. You're just a mind change away from the power of God resting on you. Just a mind change away. Just change your mind because less with God is more. Oh, I don't have, I don't know the Bible like, like everybody else knows the Bible. Less is more. Do you believe on him? Do you believe that Christ died for you? Do you believe that Jesus rose again? That he, that once he was crucified on the cross, that he actually did descend to hell for you? And he pulled up, pulled you out when he ascended and he's seated now in heavenly places. He's seated now. He has you in spirit seated right by him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that in what you consider to be your lonely state when the truth of the matter is there is more for you, more for you waiting on you than what is against you? I challenge you today to step out of your comfort zone. I challenge you today to step away from the crowd that you think that has your back and so comfortable and you you just have your friends being your friends all your life. Oh my God, I got to stay with my people. But But guess what? They're waiting on you. They're waiting on you. They know that the word, the word to their salvation is in your mouth. Won't you speak it today? Won't you speak it to them today? Won't you get bold today and step out of your comfort zone? Won't you get bolder today and step away from that which has which has uh, nursed you for so long? That has nursed you for so long. And, and move beyond that and move into the power of God because less less you don't need you don't need all of that you don't need all of that you need one god one lord one savior one savior less less you need less you need less cut off the dead weight you need less you need less cut off the so-called friends that are not your friends you need less you need less you need less you need less god is waiting for you to get down to nothing you need less you need less you need less He's waiting for you to get down to the lesser of your ideas. He's waiting for you to get down to the lesser of your own mindset, the lesser of your own direction. Less, 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 less. Less of you. He's waiting for you to get down to less of you so he can give you more of him. Less of you. Less of you and more of him. Let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, God, for calling us to this place and this time. I thank you, oh God, but for, for guiding us through, casting off every weight that so easily beset us. And I thank you, God, for walking us through, casting off our own understanding. I thank you, oh God, for, for us casting off our own beliefs that we've created. I thank you, God, for helping us cast off our own thoughts, our own ways, our own religious practices, our own decisions that are not in you or of you. But God, I thank you today that you're causing us to reach for more of you because we have a space to conquer in this earth room. We have the kingdom of God to build in this earth room and earth room. And to do that, God, we need to know who we are in you. We need to know who we are in you. We need to know not only who we are, but as leaders, we need to know who 
others are in you, God. Help us, God, to properly place your people, God, in the body of Christ. Help us, God, to properly teach your people in the body of Christ so that they can grow into the likeness and image of, of you, so they can grow into the measure of the stature of you, oh God. Help us, God. Help the leadership, God, in the name of Jesus. Help, oh God. Help, oh God, to raise up the people of God with the word of God. Thank you, oh God, that you've given us, that you're giving us, God, chance after chance. Thank you, God, that, that, that you're perfecting us in you. You're perfecting us in you, oh God, so that as we go to conquer the land, we will know who we are and we will know whose kingdom that we're building and we will build in the strength of God and we will walk worthy of the vocation wherein we are called. And we thank you, God. We give you glory. And we give you honor because you're our savior. You're our God. You're our deliverer. You're our strong tower. And we thank you, oh God. We thank you that you're raising up, God, the Aquilas, the Priscillas, the Nehemiahs, the Daniels. We thank you, oh God, that you're raising up even the Pauls and the Peters. We thank you that you're raising up the Johns. We thank you, oh God, that you're raising up the Lydias. We thank you. 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 We thank you, oh God. We thank you, oh God. We thank you. We give you glory and we give you honor. We give you glory and we give you honor. We glory and we give you honor. We give you honor. We give you honor. I thank you so much. I thank you so much for joining me on this evening. I will see you on next Monday at 7 p.m. And remember, you go throughout your week. And as you take on and begin to conquer your responsibilities and as you meet and greet new people and, and invite new people into your life, as you go through the scriptures and you begin to study and meditate, as you go, as you pray and as you speak it to God, God to show you God less less I understand with you is more do I need to drop off fear do I need to drop off fear God is that is that my issue do I need to drop that off now can I let that go now can I tell you that when I first started this podcast every time I had to get ready to speak I'd, I'd be so fearful I'd be so scared but I would sit down and I would do it anyway to now I can sit down and I can just do what God is saying I'm no fear is holding back. So I give everything that God's given to me so that we can grow by and so that we can learn thereby. Remember, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for all of you. If you're under the sound of my voice, trust me, I'm praying for you. And God is going to strengthen you. And God is going to encourage you. And God is going to begin to speak to you. He's going to begin to speak to you. He's going to begin to guide you, guide your footsteps, guide you in the way that you should go. And my words to you, my parting words as usual, don't let go. Don't let go. Come on, share this podcast and get, get open and listen to what God is saying to me because my, my drive, my drive is simply to manifest the promises of God in your life and encourage you, encourage you to not let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. No matter what happens, don't let go.